Welcome to the Modern Connection Podcasts, where we seek out the core philosophies and practices that undergird human connectedness and flourishing in modern society. I'm your host, Steve Dean, and today's guest is someone I met last year who instantly blew my mind. Amelia Broughton is a relational facilitator and purveyor of connection, pioneering a more connected, communication-savvy, and emotionally intelligent planet. She facilitates authentic relating and relational leadership in various settings and communities. Her expertise is in team dynamics and interpersonal relations. With over 10 years of experience on teams and in communities, Amelia's vision for the world is one of beautiful interconnection, a place where we put down the distractions and to-do lists to bask in the miracles that surround us. The type of connection that nourishes us internally, externally, and has everyone feel seen, heard, and loved with a true sense of belonging. Visit her website at ameliabroughton.com. In today's episode, we discuss the qualities that make for genuine connection and rapport, as well as techniques you can try at home in order to deepen your relationships with the people around you. We even practice one of Amelia's exercises at the end. So without further ado, let me introduce Amelia Broughton. I think the biggest thing that I've been noticing in just the collective in general and Mm -hmm. in, in Denver as well, just by being here and around the world since I've been traveling is this, this movement towards community and this movement towards realizing that we're more than just objects that do a job. Like we're actually living, breathing entities that have feelings and emotions as human beings. And, and with the work that I've been doing with relational leadership and authentic relating, I have, have become deeply aware of how malnourished we are of connection. And I think that with the technological era that's been occurring, you know, for the past, like, what, it's like, feels like 10 years, but it's like really boomed, I think, in the last, like, five, eight years, like right before college, it was like, oh my God, everyone's on Facebook all the time and social media and like, how can I market this? And how can I coach myself to be here? Mm-hmm. And all this stuff. And so with the work that I like, with the, the trends that I've been tracking in, in the world and in, in just my regular everyday life, that's what I'm, I'm putting my attention on um, and have been for the past years. Um, so with that, there's a lot of different communities that I'm involving myself in. Um, One of them is just starting out. It's called Archipelago. And they are creating environments and workshops at the edge of your comfort zone. So Mm. it's really, really cool. So like the spaces are incredible. Right now they have four different spaces um, that will be all built out pretty soon. The first two one of them is called a maker's den and it has like woodworking and sewing and like all these like really textile forward workshops that will be there. And then this other space, which is called the attic, it's like a Tahitian bohemian meets like seventies loungy attic that they've built out incredibly. It's in, it's almost done. Um, their launch parties on the 20th, I leave or 31st it's one of those dates I get from the mixed up I'm having an event on the 20th that's what's happening and um can you hear me okay yeah um and so I've been teaching the connection classroom there and and evolving this community so that we have places that we don't have to go to Burning Man we don't have to go to Summit Series we don't have to go to all these faraway places to get the experience of what it's like to be human with other people 
Mm-hmm. So that like, how can we create spaces where we can evolve together, where it's not like I'm signing up for a personal development workshop, which I've done many of it's, I just want to be a human with another human and learn what that's like. But I think we so often forget how powerful that is and how much we crave it. And we're so busy with the things that we think we need to be doing that we forget about just being. Um, yeah. That reminds me of a fun series I've been participating in in New York called Renaissance Person. And it's all about like, it's basically this, this friend of mine who she's trying to awaken her inner child. And so she's wow. like, I have all these friends who do all these really cool things that have all these like really esoteric skills that I don't know anything about. So every month she puts on a new event where she gets three of her friends to come in and teach completely random skills that they happen to know. And sometimes it's not even her friends. It's like people who she just like, there's a thing she wants to learn. And so she makes an event out of learning it so we can all learn together. Mm. And so she calls it Renaissance person because it's it's that like tongue in cheek notion of like the the modern Renaissance person is a jack of all trades and knows a little bit about everything and can like dance through different walks of life. And so there have been everything from like learning how to build a boat to learning how to build a pinata to tequila tasting so you can differentiate across flavors and understand the history. Um, one of them was a sex themed event. So we learned about orgasmic meditation. We learned about, we did like sex ed from a high school teacher. And we had, <laughs> uh, and then we also learned how to make, um, I guess like genitalia shaped balloon animals. So all Skills. sorts of things, but it's really fun okay. because the, the underlying <laughs> thing is that you get to learn new skills in a very playful context amongst I don't know if it's peers or just like people who are excited to go there to learn. Mm. Um, and you're not doing it because you have to be you know, better in your career. You're doing it simply because mm. it's nice to you know, be in a very playful environment where you get to awaken your child's mind a little bit. Totally. Um, that, that strikes me as at, le- at least a little bit similar to what you're describing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think one of the coolest parts about this, this community is it's just that it's, it's not like this is a yoga studio or this is where we come learn this one skill. It's who can bring their skills to the table and how can we, how can we learn new things? How can we get outside of our comfort zone? And I think you bring up a great point in that I'm also noticing this, that the business structures that historically have been great and been thriving in quotation marks, like it's not work anymore. People are not happy at their jobs. They're not understanding why they're going to to work every day to do the same thing over and over and over again. And I think people are starting to be more attracted to, oh, how can I share myself? How can I step into more gifts? How can I learn something new? And they're wanting to get out of that that routine structure. And I think that that is an amazing, I would like want to be a part of that thing. Like Renaissance Mm -hmm. Person, that sounds amazing. Like so up my alley. Like I love learning new things and I think that we need to create more spaces where we can be seen in our, in our bigness and our, in our, in our ability to shine. Right. So yeah, that's, that's totally, I have my pulse or my finger on that pulse for sure. Do you think um, there are, you, you say that companies are getting people stuck in this kind of like loop where they're maybe not growing or they're doing the same repetitive thing. Is there, are there any examples of companies that are doing it particularly well where people would say like, I love my company. I love that I'm learning constantly. Like I know I talked to my friends at Google just recently, probably, I guess it was in January. And 
several of them were saying how you know they can spend their entire day at Google and not regret it because there's like world-class lecturers coming in, there's workshops all the time. They can, if they want to learn something, Google makes it possible because they will allocate resources toward making sure you get the attention you crave. Mm -hmm. Because for Google, you know, they want to keep you as long as they can as an employee, because like the cost of training a new employee, the cost of losing all the, um, totally. everything that they've already taught you. If you leave the company or you go into a competitor, like they want you to stay. And so they go out of their way to make it happen. But I'm curious, like, do you see examples like Google and a lot of companies when I was in Seattle living there, like mm -hmm. they focus so heavily on getting you there for life and keeping you there that they'll go out of their way to make sure all your social activities are done through the company. They'll organize weekly bouldering sessions, weekly um, mm -hmm. trail running or hiking or, you know, whatever it is that the company, the employees demand. So do you think that there are good examples of this or do you think that this is a like complete societal paradigm shift just mm -hmm. away from really we need a societal paradigm shift away from repetitive work. Yeah, I, I mean, you bring up a great point. Google is definitely one of the cutting edge people in the industry, I would say, that's putting that attention and that focus where it's supposed to be. I think it's, it is a paradigm shift. It's something that's starting to occur more readily. Um, I know in Denver and in Boulder and more of these startup focused cities, it's definitely becoming more of a focus. It's like, okay, you're not gonna invest in me as an employee. I don't really want to work with you. And that then they, you know, they see the repercussions of it. And I've worked for some specific companies that I won't name, but they they had when I came to them, it was community and culture and employee well-being. And as I kept going along with them and they started getting bigger, they started to forget that that was where their importance lies. And they started focusing on marketing and outreach and all of these more like textile things that you know that get the people quote quote like actually they don't um and and that was and it's so it's been so heartbreaking to see them go the complete opposite of what they started with and you know there are the companies here that that have that it's like community first culture first let's create as many events first and let's have the things that make the people want to stay mm -hmm. like you can go become a freelancer not that it's the easiest job in the world but like you can be nomadic. Those things are starting to occur worldwide. And so I think that if, if as, as a company, as a, someone who owns a company or someone higher up in the, in the industry, in your, in your business, that is like one of the best things that you can do is put, it seems counterintuitive to people to put your money on your people first, instead of on getting more money. It's like, wait, what you want me to start at the basics? Like what? And that's, that's what I've, I've found in, in a lot of um, the corporate world mentality. It's like, I need to be doing this to get numbers. And it's like, focus on what's here right now. Like focus on the people, focus on how you can make them feel cared for and that you and your mission and your integrity in that mission actually matters like you say it matters so how do you take that and put it up against relative like quote-unquote success stories like uber where they not only didn't care about the people but they have created i mean like that's both in their internal work environment with their employees you've seen a lot of scandals come out but also for their quote-unquote employees aka the drivers who they don't get health insurance they don't really get any standard of care. And also it, it seems that they've not, not only, they, like, they've gone past the point of just not caring about them, but like this whole, I see a lot of drivers who like Uber offers them a lease on a car mm. in order to become a driver. So like, right. I guess 
the idea is you can become your own, you know, owner of your business sort of where like the car is, you get the loan for the car and then you pay it off by doing the rides and that way you get to make your own money on your own terms. Mm-hmm. But what that usually does is make it so that these drivers are like very frenetic. They have to get a certain number of rides per Uber's demands in order to not, you know, renege on their contract and then just have a car they now owe money on. So rather than just not having a job and owing nothing, they don't have a job and owe, you know, $20,000, $30,000 on a new car that they just took a loan on. I just feel like that's like locking employees into a, or not employees, but locking these freelancers um, into these at-will employees, whatever you want to call them, locking them into a scenario where they are totally stuck because now there's like financial and legal obligations um, that make them have to show up, have to do these rides, have to get a good score where a single bad review can jeopardize their entire livelihood because if they, they lose their driver account through Uber, if someone gives them too many low ratings, then suddenly they have this car that they have to pay off with no job. So I just feel like that that's a trend that I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. And it's one that's absolutely terrifying because it's like, it feels like you not only don't have insurance, you don't have, you know, steady or sustainable income, or at least it's very high risk and you're stuck with debt on top of that. Um, so <laughs> I know we can talk about companies that are doing things well and I want to, but I also am trying to, I also would like to, <laughs> at least touch on what the hell do you do when you're like, I feel like the majority of people in terms of like where the trend line is going, Mm-mm. I think there's an article that was saying 50 plus percent of the world will be freelancers by 2050. Mm. Uh, and if freelancers are what we are calling like current Uber drivers or right. when we're in those kinds of like the gig economy style thing, how do those people see a, a light at the end of the tunnel? Like what is a way for them to actually claim agency and how do they even make time for connection when they're stuck driving 60 hours a week? Yeah, it's, it's a really, it's such a good, it's such a good question. And it's something that I'm constantly thinking of. I think the biggest word that stood out for me and what you said was agency. I don't think that many of us were taught how to be a human effectively, how to create boundaries for ourselves, how to ask for what we want, what we deserve. And, and a lot of it is not in our control. You know, a lot of it feels out of control, feels like we don't have choice. Like I need to make money to pay my life. (laughs) Like I've totally been there. It's like, what do I do when the structures that I'm existing in right now ask me to be a certain way? And how do I do that? And that's, and that's been a big question for me in my life is how do I feed into the energy of, yeah, money is, is a desirable like energy and is currently what is happening in the world. That's the biggest focus that we have for, for existing, you know, it's like, forget me and my happiness. What about money? And that's, and that's how we've been programmed as humans. And I think is what is occurring in this paradigm shift of, okay, there's another way. And it's not that everyone's done it. It's not that we're all like geniuses at this new way of being this agent, this being an agent of your own life and being like, Oh, like, I could do this or I could sell this gift for myself or like, how do I monetize my way of being? Like you brought up esoteric earlier and I'm incredibly intuitive. I'm like, how do I monetize being intuitive? Like how do I monetize being spiritually understanding or like downloading things that completely unexplainable, but a hundred percent applicable. It's like stuff like that. And so, yeah, for these businesses that are, 
are, are freelancers also causing people to be trapped into structures that then they're not having health care and they owe debt. It's like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't have an answer for that. And it, I imagine as we continue going on with the awareness of what's happening, I mean, all this research is coming out about how teams work better together. It doesn't matter about your IQ, it's your EQ, right? Your emotional intelligence, like all these different elements of, of social equity, being able to understand each other, having these soft skills, listening, some of the things it's like not all tech-minded, not needing to be at a computer all day, those are the types of things that I think will allow just like what's the just like move the uh, the dial a little towards being able to be effective human beings versus programmed human beings, right? Like we're conditioned to need money to work to do, and now mm-hmm. I think there's a a it's it's very minimal. It's starting to happen, right? Mm-hmm. And I have huge hopes for it because of the work I've been doing. But man, like it, there are times where I get completely discouraged like just reading this article about like in the last 23 days there's been 11 school shootings and that our 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 economy is on a collapse like it's you know all these different things I'm like oh my god what are you gonna do how are you gonna save the planet and then I have to keep coming back like we're we're babies we are literally babies learning how to be human like no one taught us how to be men how to be women we just learn from the the people, the generations before us, and they weren't doing a very good job either. So mm-hmm. I've been thinking a lot about that particular notion. Like we are in not incapable, but like definitely mm-hmm. facing something we haven't really faced as a species before. When you totally. think about how much information is currently at our fingertips, Ooh. how much we're drowning in it. And it's not necessarily good or bad information, just like prior to the internet, we you know, we could get by knowing the people in our town maybe one town over, um, maybe having a pen pal. (laughs) Um, But we weren't in a position of having the ability to instantly communicate with people anywhere on the planet and have intimate awareness of that goings on Mm. virtually everywhere on the planet. And just the sheer amount of knowledge, like there's more, I think there's, was it more content being uploaded to YouTube alone per like hour per day than like in all previous years of recorded human history. And it's like, okay, you know, I got 45 minutes this afternoon to maybe do some you know, self-education. Where do I start? Do I pick one of the 15 million podcasts that are out? Do I pick any of the billions of hours of YouTube streaming? What if I just want to relax and watch Netflix? Oh, there's like 50 new movies on Netflix. Like, there's just search so for an hour to find the right movie. content in the world right now. And people are very overwhelmed by even knowing where to start in terms of choosing. So I think that... I've been personally overwhelmed by that on a pretty regular basis. Uh, but I think it's, people are just in a, our, our species is in a unique place where the total amount of information available to us has vastly outstripped our attentional span. And not only that, our attention span has been going down. And I think it's, I imagine those two are related. You know, when there's just so, such high volumes of content that is readily consumable and directly on our, like within our access, we have to make increasing decisions of like which things do we focus on how much time do we spend focusing on that and i've noticed like over the years i've spent less and less time having those like deep personal long conversations where you get to like a long meandering heart to heart and part of the reason i even wanted to talk to you is that this is something that i look to you almost as a specialist in where like helping people actually make time to have those kinds of you know, like life and soul affirming 
conversations and experiences with one another where you feel not just drowned in all the data and all of the content surrounding you, not just like dismayed by where the world is going, but you get to take this moment of like reclaiming yourself, reclaiming what it means to connect with someone in the span of, it could be 15 minutes, it could be a single minute of like eye gazing on the subway. Like there's, I think this is something where, you know, every time I think about what you're working on, I get like really happy and excited because I'm like, okay, you know, if everything else is going to shit, we at least can, you know, I don't know what the future holds, but I know what I can do in the next 10 minutes. Thanks to what I've <laughs> taught. So I'm, I'm curious to hear more of just like, you know, what, how would you describe, I don't know if it would be your work or just like the nature of what's happening in those moments. Because I think like for the average listener, they don't know necessarily what authentic relating is. They don't know the kind of work that you're doing. So I'm curious if you could go into like just the, what, what is it? When I say that it's soul affirming, what does that mean to you? And what does that actually like, structurally look like? How would you describe one of those encounters? Uh, I love all of this. It's funny, just listening to what you were just saying, when you were talking about all of the, you know, overwhelming amounts of information, I, I could feel my whole body just like, oh God, I need to breathe and I'm drowning and oh my gosh. And then as you started talking about the work I do and that soul affirming, my whole system just started to relax. Mm-hmm. and just slow down and just I it feels like um it it really is soul affirming and it and it's settling it with the amount of things that are constantly grabbing our attention it's it's that it's this works and I'll, I'll go into it but it's this is the, the the feeling of it is slow and present and deep breathing and just like being there's no agenda. There's nothing I have to do, nothing I have to say. There's nowhere to get. We just get to be with each other. And I think that is so, so, so rare. So rare that we don't do that. With, we just, it's just not a thing that we're programmed to do in this day and age, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're bioevolutionarily programmed to do it, but right. society programmed, right. wants to throw a wrench in our biology. Exactly. Right. So yes, thank you. The biological mechanism of us, yes, meant to do that. Like eyes to see, mouths to speak, ears to hear, like senses to experience our world, right? And with the societal programming, it's like not that. It's like do, 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 do. Forget all of that. Just do, 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 right? For the most part. And so with this work, so authentic relating, how I like to describe it, it's a catalog of exercises that, and ways of being to learn how to be a more effective human. And, it, and essentially, it's cultivating emotional intelligence. Like, how do I be aware of me and my existence and my thoughts and my feelings and my perceptions and, and the like physical, tangible things that I can feel and sense, right? And, and that doesn't just mean like logical things like, oh, your hair is blonde and like you are a man. Like it's more than that. It's like when I'm with you, how do I feel? Like there's a way that I think we be with our family members, with strangers, with friends, with our loved ones. It's like, oh, I'm a different, I experience different qualities of my existence in that, right? And so in these, these different games, these exercises, we get to explore that. It's like, what is it like to be human and how can I use these, these biological mechanisms to really be present and honed in in that beauty? Um, I mean, it's everything from like 
simple sentence stems like one of my favorites called the noticing game and it's all you say is being with you i notice and the 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 person back says hearing that i notice and you just go back and forth it's like being with you i notice hearing that i notice hearing that i notice and what happens in that simple noticing it doesn't have to be just internal thoughts or whatever's physically happening it could be like i notice something about your face i notice something about something i'm hearing outside of it it's everything mm -hmm. that's in the present moment and so that's that's what authentic relating does it's allowing us to be wildly curious about one another without assumptions without projections and and those will come up i mean that's part of being human as we naturally judge we naturally want to learn things and ex ex like know things we want to box things and compartmentalize things and it's and of course like if we weren't if we didn't have a basic understanding for all the things happening like if i was constantly being like what's a bed what do i do with this thing or like what is a pencil like that would be way too um uh, exhausting <laughs> for our brains so in these in these containers in these workshops this context we get to be wildly expressed with unassuming curious nature which is i mean look at a kid that's that's what kids do kids are naturally programmed to be curious and then somewhere along the way we just are like no don't do that or it's supposed to be this way or there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it and it's like wait a minute what if we do that as adults what if we start tapping into that childlike curiosity so it's that is what essentially authentic relating does it it creates these containers, this workshops. I mean, it's applicable to anywhere there's humans, right? Like I use it in my daily life, every single place I go. I'm like constantly curious about myself, A, and then when I'm in connection, especially with my partner, oh my gosh, like when we're in conflict and we're not agreeing something, there's one part of me that's like, screw off. I don't want to talk to you. I'm done with this conversation. And then there's another part of me that is committed to the connection. It's like, wait, what happens if I stay? What happens if I'm curious about what's happening for you and what's happening for me and see if we can find like the like touchstone points that we have a baseline understanding of each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's so exciting. It's something that I, it almost sounds like a secret superpower that you can just like pull out of your backpack <laughs> anytime you need it. Mm. And it seems really valuable to have at your disposal. One of the things that I think you're going to hate me for saying it, but I'm excited. <laughs> you talked about how like different people can make mm. you feel different ways. Mm. My first thought, and this is like my mind operating, is like, oh, can we optimize that? Are there certain feelings I'd like to experience more of in my life? Certain types of ways that other people make me feel where I can literally catalog like these friends make me feel this particular way these mm. friends make me feel this way and if I want to increase the total amount of time in my life I spend feeling a certain way I have to optimize the amount of time I spend with certain types of people mm. and so that almost makes me it, it pulls me away from the nature of like just relating to someone in the moment and mm. instead puts me more I guess in like an ego-driven sense of like <laughs> where is my future taking me this like invisible future that like doesn't exist yet um but like if i'd like it to to transpire how do i begin my optimizations now so I, I don't know if that goes directly against the core values of authentic relating to choose who to relate to based on your intended future outcomes for yourself uh I'm, I'll, I'll leave the floor to you for that one. oh gosh i love it so much optimization um Yes, absolutely. I think it's really important to note that 
just because we're connecting this way doesn't mean I have to like you doesn't mean I have to want to spend time with you. It simply means that I get to experience you and in experience you, I may not like what comes up. I may be uncomfortable with what comes up and whether you choose that or not is, is your choice. For me, there's more times than none that I will choose that out of the pure curiosity of what else could be possible. Like there's one way I might think about you and then there's all the other possibilities and perspectives that I could have that could shift. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's like, yes, optimization and, and yeah, totally. There's this whole world of surround yourself with positive people, people that make you think high minded people that will excel your learning. that will bring you up to a different level of understanding about the world. And hell yeah, I'm all for that. And like, where I think it's like really juicy and gets really, I get really curious about is for, for places where there's complete polarity. Like, you know, let's say someone who voted for Trump and then someone who doesn't, does, didn't. Like, how can we make there be a, a, some type of understanding and ability to have not agreement, like, yes, I totally am on your page, but just a, just a, a simple understanding like that is your perspective that is your reality and i am willing to say okay that's what how you see the world doesn't mean i have to like it doesn't mean i have to get on board with you it just means that i can allow you to exist in the way that you exist and not fight you with it i think in the world right now there's where i mean especially in conflict zone like for thing like united nations if this type of work could come in it's like I don't have to fight you on everything that we don't agree on. I can just listen to you and see what other ways we can work together. Like that seems profound to me that that's where this could come. Do you think that that's possible in a context where you are not acting for yourself or on behalf of behalf of yourself, but instead you are a representative or a delegate for your country or for your, you know, whatever local population you're dealing with. Because I feel like the core of authentic relating is that you are coming as yourself. Mm. You're not coming as a representative of something else. So like if you show up at the UN and be like, I really related to that (laughs) dictator and we're totally on the same page. Mm. Yes, we disagree on all fronts and we actually accomplish nothing in terms of pushing the needle on where the future of our country is going to be. But I get that person now. Like, Mm -mm. I don't know. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. This is, it feels like a tactic that, or like authentic relating feels like something, at least right now to me, mm-hmm. that is really impactful at the individual level for like really coming to grips with like who you are and how you exist in front of other people mm-hmm. in terms of it being applied professionally or not, not professionally, but like at, when, when, <laughs> at you, <the> level. <laughs> when you're operating uh, on behalf of a nation or a constituency, um, do you think that they're, I, mean, I personally still like it because it gives you that ability to cut through a little bit of the bullshit and get someone to maybe be more upfront with you about like what actually moves the needle for them. But I think I've done that, I've practiced authentic relating before and I think you don't really, part of the purpose of it is not to bring in other things like, oh, well, my, my constituents want this. Like that, that wouldn't be a thing you'd say in the context of yeah, yeah. authentic relating. You're getting much more personal. Yeah, I think it's important to note when I say in that context, it's yeah. that I'm using the tools that I learn, the capacities that I take away from authentic learning into that container. I think that's an important thing to know. Like authentic relating is one thing that is in a container and what you take away, what you could, it's like, it's like yoga, right? Like we do the yoga practice in yoga class and we do the poses, but then the yoga 
out in the real world, it's how do you apply the mindfulness? How do you apply the embodiment, the patience, the grounded, the breathing, the like settling? So it's, it's the same thing in a, in a different way. It's like authentic relating helps me listen. It helps me be a better listener. It helps me understand you more. It helps me try to be with you versus resist you. It helps me be able to understand deeper ways that you might be saying something like there's what you might be saying, but then there's how you might be saying it. And then there's why you might be saying it. And it allows me to get in touch with for ways of understanding you and being with you. I think that's where I say like these, it can be applied as far yeah. as like authentic relating goes to these places. It's like speaking on behalf of an entire nation, if I have the ability to really truly understand my people, my organization, my business, my group of people that I am a leader for, if I can start to do that and then start to speak from that place, it's like a totally different world. I'm not just speaking for me and my beliefs. I'm speaking for something bigger than just myself. Mm-hmm. This actually reminds me a lot of a pretty intense thing I learned in college when we broke into like critical analysis of literature. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you, when you mentioned uh, like, I guess, like, why are you saying what you're saying? Or um, how are you saying it? Those kinds of things are a lot of the variables you look for when you're doing a critical analysis of an author's piece. So you're trying to understand, not just like, oh, this author wrote a stance, let's say a stance on abortion that I totally disagree with. And so I could interpret the writing as like, oh, I'm just going to close it, close the article or badmouth it, tweet about it because I hate it. But I haven't done the critical analysis yet. So the actual functional purpose of critical analysis is to think more of why did this author in this time period choose these words for this? Do they have any kind of ulterior motive? Are they being paid to write this? Did they write this of their own accord? Um, is it something that they have personal experience that like makes them feel a certain way about? You know, like going into that layer of depth helps you understand something in a much more nuanced way. And I think if we ever hope to understand people, our fellow humans, in a more nuanced and understandable way, then it seems like these tools that you're describing, the authentic relating tools, uh, are pretty evergreen in the sense that they will give us this like universal access to understanding the whys and the hows mm-hmm. of how people are showing up for us right now. And so rather than just saying like, oh, you voted for Trump, well, you know, screw you, I don't want you in my life, goodbye. It's instead like, oh, like, like what, what is your world like? What is, what is it that makes you feel as like what what led you to feeling that way what are the and this is still this is still I guess outside the scope of authentic relating because you're asking people to pull things in not based on their immediate emotions but more based on you know past events in their life and I know that the container within authentic relating usually says like don't just pull in memories don't pull in um, a lot of things from the external world try to keep it really focused on like how you're showing up right now Mm-hmm. Uh, so like I, I know I, I think I'm I'm not well trained in this so I, <laughs> I, I tend to like I, I've actually been corrected multiple times <laughs> I might correct uh, you a little bit <laughs> my, yeah, my authentic relating like trainer friends where they're like hey no 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 like we're gonna keep it in this container you know I'll, I'll bring up these it's not that you can't it's just like if you want to really mm-hmm. focus on it's almost like meditation when you when your thoughts go to the thing that's outside like Mm. you know just gently bring yourself back give yourself the nudge mm. what we're doing here is xyz like whatever the yeah. local point is so you know authentic relating i think uh, how would you describe it in terms of like mm. what, what that, what's inside that container for people who would want to try it yeah so i think there's 
there's a way in which this is, it, it seems to be, this is a, one of the biggest things I hear come up a lot in authentic relating. And it was, there's some people that will also call it circling. There's relational leadership. It's, it's kind of in a interesting as terminology goes on what, what's called what. Um, at the basic essence of it, interpersonal relations, relational intelligence, these are a lot of these words I've heard thrown around. So that's why I'm just saying um, a bunch of them. As far as what I subscribe to, I think that being in the present moment with someone and being able to have a conversation of what's coming up for you in this moment, a thought, a memory, that might be my experience with you. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what's present for me. This thought, this memory, this experience that I had is coming up in my connection with you. And to me, that is present moment. That is a welcoming of what is. So some practices will say that's not the present moment. Other practices will say, no, that's your experience. So to give you a a definite answer, I don't have one, a definitive answer. I don't have one. That's how my teachings have become is, is I've learned that that is part of your present moment experience, whether that's wrong or right. I'll let that up to the jury. I am not the police. Um, but, but yeah, I think, um, it's, you know, I, I think there's a, I, I came from a very structured learning of this work of, of this history. And there are some that are a little more reins off, if you will. Um, my, my, my background's from a lot of structure. And so when I was coming into this work, I was like, you can say this, you can say this, this is right. This is wrong. Like da, 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 da. And as it started to evolve for me, I'm like, Oh, what if I just welcome what is right now? What if I keep being unassuming? And the biggest thing I was hearing and what you're saying, it's like the ability to be curious, like critical thinking, looking into somebody's why it's like curiosity to me is like, one of the biggest pieces of this entire practice. It's like, mm-hmm. how can I start to cultivate more desire to know you versus think that I know you and hold to what I think I know about you and start moving beyond the edges of my comfort zone to, do, to discover something new. It's so. so fun. Like, do you find that, um, if, like if you, let's say you, you engage in this practice with one person today or tomorrow do you find that that kind of creates this like inextricable bond because we do it so infrequently as modern adults that when you get to have that experience with one person does that like stick with you and it becomes this like inimicable bond that you now share for life Mm. or is it more of a just like (laughs) I don't I don't know but each person I've ever done it with I've I've probably done it I guess four times in my life now mm-hmm. and each time it's been like that kind of experience where like uh, that person's face is forever plastered in my mind in like a really powerful way Absolutely. because we've we've hit that level of like care and vulnerability mm-hmm. that we've put each other first mm-hmm. for just that moment you know even if it's only you know 10 minutes mm-hmm. or an hour like that's an hour that you've completely shared because you've totally deadened yourself to the outside world and you're just in that moment with that person and I feel like there's something really cathartic about it but there's also I don't know if in your experience it it tends to create these it's almost like an alternate timeline where like you and this person now have this shared bond yeah that would make me think like is it scary to do that on the first date with someone (laughs) (laughs) I mean yeah I uh 
I love all of your questions. Just, yes, to me, there is a way in which this way of being together leaves an imprint. I mean, I know that that is why the relationships that I have in my life are so deep and so nourishing and so just alive with magic, truly. Like, I have this baseline love for this this woman that's in my life and as like a, a mentor and like a motherly figure to me. And yesterday we connected through a coaching call and, and, and then talked later on in the evening. And she's like, this was a huge leap and bound in our relationship. Like just connecting with you in this way has, it, it just, it's, it completely up leveled our relationship yesterday. And then like, I'm constantly discovering things about my brother, about my sister, about my partner, about friends. Like I get to a point where I think I know them and then I step into being curious again and it's like, Oh my God, I never knew that about you. Whoa. And, and in these containers, like, yeah, people all over the world, I feel deeply, deeply invested in and deeply impacted by simply by getting a deeper understanding of why they, the way they are. Like it, it's something I'm endlessly fascinated by. And I, and I think because it is something that again, like I think a lot of us as adults are, slightly if not very malnourished with connection like genuine deep soul satisfying connection that when we have those moments like it's it's transformative and and i'll be completely honest doing this work and and as much as i have there are times where i've been like okay here we go again we're gonna do this game and then i get my mind blown again it's like Mm. oh god the simplest things i could get so jaded by because i've done it so much but like every single time it blows me away every single time. So yeah, like I, that's why I believe in this work so much is because of what I've seen countless times over and over and over and over again. You're like, Oh my God, what just happened? Like mm-hmm. you are imprinted, like you said, imprinted in my mind as this memory of like quality and depth and yeah, totally. So the fo- the natural follow up to that one is what happens when you've imprinted someone who you definitely don't want to spend more time with. <laughs> like I, I've found this to be the case. Like I, I started mm-hmm. practicing some different forms of like deeper relating with people on first dates. And sometimes I'll have such a deep connection mm-hmm. with someone. On a, like I had someone come out to me as trans and it was the first time they'd ever come out to anyone and it was on a first date. And I was like, oh God, maybe I'm doing this too much. Like too much of the like, deep connecting early on. Mm-hmm. Because this was someone where like, it was a wonderful human, but it's not someone who I wanted to like being trans was one of many qualities about this person a lot of the other qualities were ones that i didn't really care to like surround myself with there's a lot of negativity a lot of pessimism and there's just like not the energy that i wanted yet we connected really deeply and so i felt this like almost a strange obligation of like now that we've connected like that you're like you might not have anyone else in your life you can go to to experience that level of like being heard and being seen and I don't necessarily want to suddenly be the one who is like your go-to person every time you need that. And so how do you draw that line of like just the safe boundary setting between like, oh shit, we just blew our minds with how well we connected and oh wait, I don't actually want you in my life. Yeah, it's, it's something, it, it's boundaries, right? And I am totally the first person to admit that this has been a, a big thing for me, uh, just a coming from a background of deeply needing to feel that I, I needed to please people to be lovable and liked, right? Like when I had to be like, oh, 
we had a really deep connection. I actually don't want to continue connecting with you like this. This is not somewhere I want to invest my time. This was amazing. Being honest and transparent and vulnerable to a, to a deep extent, right? Honoring your truth and your boundary. It's not something, again, it's not something a lot of us are programmed how to do. Like with wanting connection so deeply when we get it, it's like, oh my God, I don't know if I'm going to get this again. And that's what happens. Like I've, I've seen it so many times I've been the one that's done it. And, and it's, I think it's called a, a vulnerability hangover. If you will, mm-hmm. we open up to people so big and then it's like, Oh my God, Oh now what? Uh, uh, how do I go back into normal society? And especially after these big training weekends, right? There's a whole integration period of, of realizing that this is different. I was at a fundamental level being a different way, doing things differently, behaving, experiencing, sensing differently. So as far as the advice for how to be in those places where it's not going the way you want or you don't see it going further, it it takes courage, serious, serious courage, like at least in my experience to be able to say, this was awesome and it's not something I want to continue right now or... You know, yeah, totally cringeworthy. And I, and I, and it's not easy for me either. So, so like the scary yeah. thing about that is that it, it seems so strongly paralleled to like mm. what society would refer to as like taking someone's virginity mm. where like you're going oh, to connect in a way sure. that may make this person feel like they really deeply want to continue exploring that connection you've had. Mm. And so people will be like, oh no, I never have sex with virgins because like they get attached. Mm. And do you, (laughs) I'm not going to presuppose that there's any overlap here, but do you find that like like authentic relating virgins, so to speak, Mm. people who haven't really had the experience of having someone create that container, that safe space where they can just be themselves and relate to someone, do you find that there is this lingering desire after the fact to maintain their that same kind of connection or like reach it again or go further and is it something where because you were the one to do it with them they want to go back to you or do they feel like empowered maybe part of the work is like empowering them to be like look you've did not you've done it with me now go and do it with other people who are not me <laughs> yeah i i notice like there's an air of hesitancy for me. I'm like, I don't want to give you a definitive answer because I don't have these answers, all of them. And, and there's my experience and, and I'll speak to that. It's, I mean, having really clear context, like what are we doing here? Why are we doing it? What am I invested in with you? What are you invested with me? What are my boundaries? Setting that up front is the most important thing for me. If I can, truly honor my like we stop we speak about honoring yourself honoring other practicing humility and dignity assuming nothing confidentiality all of these context creations are in service of things like that it's like if i'm honoring like honoring other or honoring self is at the very top of that list because that is the most important thing like i have to honor myself above all and then honor other right and like yeah, not necessarily the golden rule where it's like treat others as um, you wish to be treated. It's like, wait, platinum rule, like treat others as they wish to be treated. Okay, like, and it comes back, like how can I get your world? How can I understand and honor myself at the same time? So boundaries, clear, clear context and like 
yeah, sometimes it may not feel great to do. And there's a light side and a dark side to everything, right? Yeah, one light side's like, oh my God, an abundance of connection. And on the other side's like maybe discomfort and boundaries and 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 times to figure out what it is in me that may not be wanting to be linked up with someone else or what is it in them that I'm not quite wanting to address. Like mm -hmm. it's it really is endless. And I think again again, it's to me, context is so key and communication within that a deeper level. Like if I've, I mean, I've heard people have miscommunication on mar marriage vows. Like when I put this ring on my finger, I said I was going to be ever be forever for you. It's like, wait a minute. I, when I said that, this is what I meant. It's like, even in the nuances of language, do we get confused? Right. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, it's, it's a huge, huge, huge topic. And I think more than anything, creating the agency to be able to step into a the simple connection is one thing. And then the agency to say, hold on, is this right for me? Does this feel good? Is there something here that I'm missing? Like having other blind spots that you may not have known about before. I mean, it's so endless, the human experience, mm -hmm. right? So I could talk about this for a day. <laughs> well, so let, let's be respectful of the container we have. We said <laughs> an hour. Nice. Um, do you think, is authentic relating something that people could listen to in the form of a podcast and get or grok what's happening and be able to implement it in their own lives? Or is it something that, because like I can see you right now on videos, so we're kind of cheating because mm, totally. <laughs> I, like, it's not like everyone else just hears what's going on. Um, mm. Can you hear your way through an authentic relating session and be able to get what's happening? Or would it just be like, I don't understand what's going on here from an audience perspective? Yes, and. <laughs> um, if it was demonstrations of a game that involves two people, I'm going to say a podcast would be doable for sure. If it's a video, I think that there's much more accessible in that realm. Um, I would not ever, I don't uh, ever is a strong word, but I would, I would not film enough like a typical authentic relating night just because it's wild chaos and there's no way that anyone would, I mean, it's, it's like contained chaos. I don't know if anyone that doesn't know what they're doing would understand what was happening. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as like a, an authentic relating game that is on a podcast and we're just being together, I think you could get the basic gist of some of the games. I, I don't know about all of them. but I mean, we, we've got about like six to eight minutes. Is there anything that you would want to play around with just to model for listeners what it is that you're – because like, they've been listening to like us talk around it without mm -hmm. necessarily knowing what it is. Yeah. Do you want to take yeah. like three or sure. four minutes just to – that's our little container. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, so the, the first one that comes to mind is the noticing game because it's literally so simple. You can do it with anyone, anywhere. And the context of it is I am and you are practicing noticing what is in this very moment in me being with you and you being with me. And the only sentence stem that we use is being with you, I notice. Mm -hmm. and, and you'll just say hearing that, I notice. And we'll just go back and forth like ping pong. And you can notice your present moment experience, thoughts, um, anything you're noticing, like hearing. You can notice physical, basically anything that's here right now. And ideally, I'd love if we were in front of each other in that way, like in person. But 
I do this online. Uh, I actually work for an online platform called Authentic World where we do all of this online globally with people all over the world. Oh, amazing. Um, so yeah, Authentic World, you can check that out. But yeah, does that sound intriguing that to you? That sounds perfect. Okay. Let's give it a try. All right. So yeah, and just anytime you want to call it off, we can, we can pause. What's the magic word? Let's make it avocado. <laughs> you can just, and we can move on to the ending. That, but, that's, our, that's our safe word. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. So just actually start with closing your eyes and get in touch with what it's like to be you. So anything you're feeling, you're noticing about this present moment, awareness of yourself that you're in a body and what is that like? Notice your breath. And why we do what we call connect to self is so that you can get a baseline experience of, of yourself and how you feel so that when we start connecting with each other, we have this foundation to, to almost construct uh, the we space, if you will, together. And so when you're connecting with someone else, you can notice the nuances of what might not be just yourself, but somebody else too. And go ahead and you open your eyes. So I'll go ahead and start um, being with you. I notice my mind just like running at a million miles per hour with excitement and uh, just delight of the intellect. Hearing that, I feel bubbly and very much different from how I felt about an hour ago when I was nervous about this call. I feel extremely at ease that I can pursue my own curiosity in the context of this conversation and not worry so much about maybe what listeners want and just really this moment of like calm appreciation for you creating this space for us. Hearing that, I feel compassion and uh there's a, just a deep sense of joy that you're doing this and that I got to be a part of it. So yeah, joy and compassion. Hearing that, it makes me want to keep doing things like this. If I can bring you joy and compassion and bring myself some degree of peace as well, hopefully help other peoples do the same. We talked about how the world is sucking joy away from people. If we can bring that back, I mean, I, I feel very buoyed by this, very excited to keep doing it more. Hearing that, uh, I notice there's like, I feel, um, I notice the relaxation in my body, and the stillness, and um, Yeah, just like a lot of spaciousness for possibility. Hearing that, I, I don't feel as much stillness. I'm almost jittery from mm. excitement. I, mean, I met you one time in person before. And right now I'm like, oh shit, I want more people like Amelia in my life. I love this kind of energy that we can produce. Um, 
I like how I went from needing coffee desperately an hour ago to feeling like I have my own personal little coffee pot internally. Mm. And just like having this little back and forth makes me feel a lot of bubbly joy. Mm. Hearing that, I notice my cheeks, I'm smiling really big. And uh, when you, like hearing you say the bubbly internal pot of coffee, um, <laughs> I just wanted to just, I don't know, I felt all giddy and over with, yeah, constant excitement. Hearing that, I am pretty completely sold now that we got to get more people doing this. <laughs> we can have everyone become their own coffee pot. Oh. We're going to have a much better world. <laughs> <laughs> Hearing that, I feel so, I like feel super moved. I'm noticing just um, felt like salvation, like finding the, the water to the oasis, you know, in the middle of the desert. I, yeah, I noticed like this satiation, like feeling satiated. Yeah. Okay. So I made the mistake of glancing at the clock, so I'm going to avocado our way. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> no. I know, I know. <laughs> but yeah. thank you so much. This is really impactful and really illuminating um, and just satisfying. Was, yeah, I, like, I originally thought of making a podcast as being something that would be a lot of work and a lot of like, oh, like agenda items and scheduling. And if it can be more of this, then like, mm. that's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. So I think. The, the reason I'm starting it is really to see what are the way, like how are people living lives in a way that makes them really excited to live and excited to build a stronger, like happier society. What are, what are the things we need going forward as a species? And I really feel like what you've introduced to me in part today, as well as the audience certainly, is definitely a huge and critical building block on that journey. So like, I'm so grateful to you for sharing um, I'm excited to meet you out in Denver when I can visit. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. This is so nourishing. And I, I'm stoked when you reached out to me. I was so happy to hear that you're doing this. And I know tons of people that would love to do this type of connection and, and helping gift the world with, with new possibility and new tools to thrive, essentially, right? So yeah. thank you. And how do we find you? How, 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 anyone who wants to learn more about your work and what you're doing, what is it that, what, where should they go? Yeah, totally. So ameliabroughton.com is my website and there's all stuff. It's a pretty new website, but everything's popping up on there that I've been doing. And then my Facebook, I mean, you can find me and I think all my, for the most part, my stuff's public um, as far as the talks that I do and the writing. I'm also published on Mind Body Green and in Conscious Lifestyle Magazine. So those are the places that I geek out with my creative writing and just the possibility of, of how deep we can bring our uh, lives into connection. So, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, have a wonderful day, a wonderful weekend. All right. Bye, love. I'll see you soon. <laughs>